0: talk about being a uh tall rotund black man because you're actually a very tiny small filipino boy
1: so exactly exactly
2: (laughs) it's pronounced filipino
1: yeah (laughs) i'm the jeffrey dahmer in the relationship yep (laughs) the cops
0: keeps keep bringing him back (laughs) Uh,
1: yeah i mean he's fine he's fine
0: (laughs) you don't even want him you're just like oh all
1: right I'll take
2: them. Yeah, <laughs>
1: the <laughs> hole in his head started smelling a long time ago, but yeah, nowhere to put him. Aww. I'm,
2: I'm, I'm a, I'm a decaying Cabana boy.
1: <laughs> oh God!
0: Oh, remember those Mad TV sketches with the Cabana boy? Yeah. Oh,
1: those are messed up.
0: In forever,
1: <laughs> I don't remember those.
0: <laughs> oh, they were like, uh, it was like, what, what would sexual assault look like if it was a sketch? Um,
1: oh, that's good. That's good. No, no. Oh. (laughs) Sorry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bloody Podcast. I'm your host, Maria, with my co host, Lori, and our resident guest, Cash Abdumalik. Hi. Happy 100th (laughs) episode, everybody. Yay!
2: Yay! 100. 100. Congratulations, you two. Yay.
1: We (laughs) did it. 100 ladies. Actually, more than that because some of them were Mm -hmm. multi. Multi part or multi layers of women. Yeah. The count is
2: 236.
1: We'll, we'll round off to 100 for now. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, congratulations, you two. Thank you. Thank You've you. done it. This Thank is Thank you so deal. much. We really deserve it.
0: We do. I, we really do. I shared an idea, a little whip of an idea that I had with Maria, and then she bugged me about it for five years. What felt like five years. And then we recorded a podcast, finally, with the help of, obviously, Maria got it off the ground. And then two years later, we recorded another podcast. And then we've been going <laughs> strong ever since.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're uh, we're we're late bloomers. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes
2: you have to build the plane before you take off.
1: Aw. Aw. Thank you. That's,
2: That's an old Filipino saying. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, well, today we're not talking about the Philippines.
2: <laughs> Damn it.
1: <laughs> today we're talking about voodoo priestess Marie Laveau. Mm. In her lifetime, Marie was revered and acknowledged as the most powerful voodoo queen in New Orleans and equally appreciated, appreciated as a charitable and caring member of her community. And centuries after her death, her legend continues. Countless residents of New Orleans still claim to have seen the spirit of Laveau bustling around New Orleans. I didn't dear you and the of the day Yeah, just like that.
2: That actually came out wrong. <laughs> oh,
1: no, <laughs> we'll be really? What were you trying, to, we'll trying to say. I'll take it. We'll take it again so you can do it again. I, <clears throat> <laughs> I think the spirit
2: of Madden Laveau a couple of days ago. At <laughs> a quick stop.
1: One of the quick uh, stories of people seeing her around is that one time there was this guy. He was standing in what used to be, I think, what an old uh, apothecary, but is now some other type of shop. And Marie Laveau came in. The spirit of Marie Laveau came in, and he asked her what he want, what she wanted. And he was, she was basically like, "Don't you know who I am?" And he was like, "No." And she smacked him <laughs> outside the head and then left. And then the shop owner came out of the out of the back and he was like, "He, the guy described to him what just happened. And he was like, you just got slapped by the spirit of Marie Laveau. So she expects you to know who she is if oh. she comes up to you. Yeah.
0: But I mean, to be fair, though, the other guy was in the back. So he doesn't 100% know that that was Marie Laveau, right? He just heard it from the shopkeeper. No, So he
1: knew.
2: Oh, Okay. He knew exactly who that was. <laughs> I was it sh- probably
1: wasn't the first time that Marie came into his shop.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We should definitely get an actress to dress up like Marie Laveau. And, and
1: just go around. go around
2: and slap people, and then she'll leave, and then we'll run in and be like, "Don't you know who that was?
1: <laughs> that was the spirit of Marie Laveau." <laughs> Well. practitioners invoke her name and dedicate shrines to her and her grave is still the second most visited grave in the u.s
2: wow really
1: yeah who's the first elvis oh yeah
2: yeah, yeah.
1: that
0: makes sense
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, sources for this episode come from the books the magic of marie laveau by denise alvarado A New Orleans Voodoo Priestess by Carolyn Moreau Long. And Orishis, Goddesses, and Voodoo Queens by Lilith Dorsey. And uh, for the purposes of this episode, the term man or woman of color refers to people who are mixed with European blood and that of either African, Haitian, or Native American descent. Okay. Just so you guys know, because it'll be used uh, often.
2: No jokes there. What? I said, no jokes there.
1: No jokes there. <laughs>
2: Lori.
0: <laughs> oh, fun. <laughs> I'm, uh, sorry. I'm sorry, dude. No, it's okay. I uh, I feel like Piers Morgan would have something to say, but he quit, so he's he's no longer able to comment.
1: Lori, did you um, see... Any Marie Laveau stuff when you went to New Orleans? Yes. Do you remember any of it?
0: I don't remember. Like, I just remember there were a lot of like pop-up shops and stuff and they would have like things and they would be like, oh, this is something to, you know, conjure the spirit or this is something to ward off this, you know, depending on where you were, there was like t-shirts and stuff.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of that. That's one of the things that I, um, I forget which one of the authors says. I think it's Alvarado, but she says that. Like on every corner now of New Orleans, like there's people selling gris gris and charms that they say are like the spells of Marie Laveau, just to like you know, yeah. to protect the traveler, which is the the fucking gullible tourist.
0: Yeah, I just <laughs> I just remember walking, and mind you, this is when I had lost a bunch of weight. I was at my skinniest. And I remember walking into a, a really tiny shop and, like, immediately it was like, I cannot turn or move. I had to, like, walk <laughs> sideways because everything was, like, fine china. And, <laughs> and the shopkeeper was, like, eyeing me, like, I know you're going to break something. I
1: just know it. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a sketch. Yeah. What was in the shop?
0: It was just like a bunch of candles and a bunch of things hanging. And I, I literally, I mean, not to make it like a sitcom or a mo- I literally get out of the shop and I turn around to talk to the this the person that I went into the shop with and I knock over a bunch of postcards. <laughs> so that was like... And I'm not kidding you. I broke or knocked something over every store I went into.
1: Oh man! So oh, man.
0: They... A, lot, a lot of the a lot of the things I ended up buying were things I ended up breaking, and then I'd be like, "Oh, that's fun. I'll buy a second one." So
2: that just happened to us when we went to uh, Shelter Island the day after in San Diego.
1: What did I drop?
2: You didn't. It wasn't you. We walked in that uh, antique store, and then I like knocked that one thing over. Do you remember it's like a wooden chest or something? Oh, and we, yeah. we couldn't prop it back up, so we just oh, like yeah. walked away from it.
1: <laughs> These and, ladies are all eyeing us like
2: Yeah, the whole time they were just like, huh. <laughs> Look at them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah.
0: I won't even go into places now. With that, I'm at my size. Star and I were walking down uh Alvarado Street, I think it was. And it's like they have all those like little kiosks and stuff, and I'm like, I'm not even gonna walk. I don't even. I don't trust myself. My arms are like (laughs) string cheese. They just fly willy nilly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So records about Marie are practically non non existent. Uh, Colonists weren't really apt to keep good records of the people that they captured and traded into slavery. So you know that accounts for most of the pe- like her family members before her mm. and uh documentation of voodoo practices was not a thing back then it's barely a thing now it especially wasn't a thing to speak publicly about being a voodoo practitioner most of the time now, being being honest about who you were back then would guarantee persecution mm. it is not until very recently that scholars started exploring the history of voodoo religion and those who have carried it, and those who have carried it throughout the centuries, and like author Lilith Dorsey say, most of these scholars oftentimes are white men who get it wrong. Yes. So that's fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would love a white man to just follow a voodoo priestess around and be like, "So now, what are you doing by wrapping that garment around yourself? I'm putting a belt on." Oh, is that, oh! Is that a voodoo thing or?
1: Nah. <laughs> I need them for my pants. Your voodoo pants. Your <laughs> voodoo now. <laughs> now is
0: the past tense to voodooed? Did you voodoo something? I
2: oh, know you didn't. Oh man! and <laughs> No, not yet, not yet. Not yet.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry.
2: All right. Sorry, it is <laughs> soon. <laughs> that actually probably was a good one. Yeah, never yeah, mind. I liked it. I don't have my shades.
1: Oh, dumb. most of the information we have comes from people who have did. Dil- oh my god! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> See, I
2: almost wanted to make fun of you, like the water boy, like
1: whoa, whoa, whoa,
2: whoa, whoa. What was it? Shut up. We
0: can put. We could put all of these... First off, you're not doing... You stop being hard on yourself. You're reading yeah. a lot of words, and we also
1: It's not that. It's that it takes longer to edit after. Oh, oh,
0: I get that. But it's not that bad. But secondly, we you could put all of these guffaws in there because you could just be like, she doesn't want me to say it. She's cursing me from beyond the grave.
1: I mean, so. I hope not. I did my best to get this stuff accurate because... I am a fucking scared of Marie Laveau. So, (laughs) you know, respectfully, fearfully, uh, you know, let me get this right for you.
0: (laughs) I'm going to say say something that I feel like will not come back to bite me in the ass. I don't give a fuck about Marie Laveau.
1: That's good for you.
2: Wow. Must be nice.
1: Mm. Ow! Marie Laveau don't give a fuck about you. (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, my <laughs> skin is you. on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea that she just slaps. Yeah. yeah. Like that's her, In that's her like, instead of being like, fuck you. It's just not even that. It's just a straight.
2: Yeah.
0: Do you think it's backhanded or, or palm or front handed or the palm?
1: I think the first time is the palm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For she is a merciful goddess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: see a lot of Looney Tunes slaps. Bap, bap. You
0: know?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then she turns away in her skirts and mm-hmm. storms off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, I feel like, I, I agree. I think that's how she does it. Just like a quick one, too.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're hard.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. She,
2: she's, an old,
0: she's an old black woman. It's going to yeah. be like, you're going to break your face when she yeah. slaps you.
2: The pain of it takes out the cartoon element.
1: Yeah. So most of the information we have comes from people who have diligently looked through records, deciphering misspellings of her name. Uh, Since most names back then would just be, it seems like most names back then would just be guessed at. Like, you would be like, my name is Maria Felix. And then the person that you're telling it to would not ask, like, how do you, how's it spelled? They would just be like, P H I I L e u a x (laughs) yeah a lot of people like there's a that's what it seems like so there's history of her name coming up the way that we know it now l-a-v-e-a-e-a-u sorry and then there was l-a-v-e-a-u-x the french version or even l-a-b-o-u or in one case l-i-l-a-v-o-u-x Lai Laveau.
0: Yeah. Well, so like, strange. I feel like up until very recently, there it's a very, like, colonial thing of like, eh, I don't like that. I'm going to spell it a different way. Or I'm just going to call you an entirely different name.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's,
0: oh, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, so all the documents that do exist, if they don't say Laveau, they say some other version of it. And so, even these certain records, like that, I'll be referring to, are just the best guess that historians have by just basically connecting the dots between, you know, like this birth and this death certificate, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. You yeah. know, with people that she had in common. Um, other information comes from newspaper clippings, which often demonized her and the voodoo practice and the oral history of her daughter, neighbors, and followers. So, oh, by the way, this will probably be a two-parter, everybody, because there's a lot to talk about. Marie was born in 1801 as a free woman of color in the French Quarter of New Orleans. Her mother, Marguerite, was the daughter of a woman named Catherine, who had bore the children of her slave master, Henry Roche? Catherine was barely 13 when she gave birth to Marguerite, who in turn was only 13 when she birthed her first child. Now, it's not talked about, but Alvarado makes the very you know, not I don't want to say obvious, but uh, you know, uh, what I'll say, I agree with theory that this was not, you know, consensual birthing of their of their slave master's children. Sure, you know, oh, They were well, raped.
0: Yes. I mean, they were 13. So, yeah. That, yeah. That
1: alone. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Either way, a crime's been committed. Mm-hmm. So, oh my God, that's awful.
1: Many of Marguerite's first children were separated from her to be sold into slavery. In 1790, Marguerite was freed by her owner. And in 1795, after being traded to four slave owners, the last being a free woman of color, Catherine Marie's grandmother Sorry, yeah, Marie's grandmother saved enough money to buy her freedom. In her following years, Catherine bought property and built an adobe cottage at 152 Rue St. Anne Street in New Orleans. Marguerite, now Marguerite being Marie's mother, married a guy named Henry Darkentel, had some children with him, but then she had a brief relationship with a businessman named Charles Laveau, a successful free man of color in the business of real estate and slave trade. Marie was born of this relationship on September 10th, 1801. Hmm. Marie was baptized six, at six days old and raised as a Catholic. Her and her mother lived in the St. Anne Cottage together. The cottage is now completely renovated and stands at 1020 St. Anne Street in New Orleans. Hmm. It's really cute. Oh, I bet. Yeah. That is pretty much all we know about Marie's childhood, that is for sure. It is assumed that Marie Laveau started studying voodoo in the 1820s, but in my opinion, that leaves out the fact that Catholicism and voodoo practices normally went hand in hand in New Orleans among its practitioners. The blending of the two religions, as well as the influence of Catholicism found in other religions like Santeria, came as a direct result of colonizers' oppression, which, after acquiring slaves, were required by law, by their own laws that they made, to make their slaves convert to Catholicism. And any semblance of the people's native languages, religions, practices, or culture was met with punishment. So it could be that Marie grew up already observing some of the practices of voodoo just in and around her neighborhood because they were always shrouded, they always had to be shrouded within you know, fake practices of Catholicism. And eventually the two began to blend.
2: I've been doing a lot of research recently on on, uh, Urdu practices, which is uh, um, um, a religion that comes from West Africa, of slaves who were brought to America, and they often gathered in the woods and in forests at night to practice that religion together because they were persecuted for it. And it was tried to, it was, you know, tried kind of whited out. Yeah. So it's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah.
0: That is crazy. That is, that's amazing. I mean, I just think about, sometimes I'll like, we've been learning about history at the school that I'm student teaching at and we're discussing like slavery and stuff. And sometimes I'll think like, if like my family was put in a position where I would have to face like, a tenth of the atrocities that people of color have had to face, I would die for sure. And I'm just 100%. Like,
1: 100% these, you would die.
0: These people, these people had like literally fought to have their culture, like they, they in secret, saved their culture. And like completely, you know, like I just, it's just amazing to me. It's amazing how people are so resilient not, not my people. My people are the whitest of snowflakes. I'm, I have, I'm Piers Morgan's people. We leave, <laughs> we leave, we quit multi-million dollar jobs for during uncomfortable situations. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, that is just so amazing to me.
1: That yeah, these, the resilience you know. of which, you know, like, yeah. well, you know, you you just can't let your culture die. One of my favorite things that I read about with like their native practices and keeping them secret was that a lot of the time Catholic statues were used in the house because Catholic statues were hollow. So you could put another statue of your, of whatever saint or spirit you were worshiping inside of it. I like that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So at 17, Marie married Jacques Paris, a carpenter from San Domingue, which is now known as Haiti. According to local legend, they were gifted a house on Rampart Street by her father, Charles, who, by the way, did not sign her birth certificate, but he did declare her his daughter in his later years. Records indicate that Marie and Jacques had two children, Marie-Angeline Paris and Félicite Paris. Lack of records indicate no further information for the two daughters death records for their estimated deaths uh, are missing.
2: Hmm. Not just
1: like their death records, but the death records from the years 1825 to 1829 are all missing. Oh. (laughs) Because they were really good. They were really good about paperwork back then. It's nuts. Yeah. In 1824, her husband, Jacques, disappeared. Local rumors assumed that he had run away back to Haiti while others said that he was swept overboard while on the ship as a merchant. Thereafter, Marie became known as the Widow Paris, or the Widow Paris. Mm.
2: The sea has taken so many fucking people from that time.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Ugh. God but damn.
0: Also, it's like, it's a pretty, I mean, there's no filing system, so you, This is that time period where I kind of sometimes look back and go, oh, I I wish I missed those times where you could, like, move to, like, a county. Not even, like, a state. You could move to a county over, start start over completely with a different name, and nobody would be the wiser.
1: Well, that's Mm. why there was so much more, like, crime and death, I think. Yeah. Well, I don't know if there was more. I guess it wasn't more proportionally to the people we have now, because we just didn't have as many people, but i feel like more people died back then yeah
2: absolutely and more people went missing and like nobody was like we should find them they were just like
0: "Eh." they're gone because we guess that's that we didn't have we didn't have entertainment we didn't have podcasts you know how women got their murder podcast fix they murdered people that's yeah that's how they got their podcast fix and then they (laughs) talked about it with other people they were like oh i murdered that guy the other day how'd you do it oh well let me tell you in a four-part series over tea yeah over tea I mean, so that was
1: nicer back then
0: yeah i mean that was <laughs> yeah you know you could always talk about dangerous things over a nice cup of tea
1: absolutely yeah the tea is like a therapist like it just it's kept confidential <laughs> you know so it confuses me where the spilling the tea term came from i don't Cause, understand
0: because it's so <laughs> taboo normally you I, don't spill the tea you drink that shit right where it is so is that
1: right i don't know (laughs) i think that's pretty good thank you it's a
2: pretty good explanation yeah yeah thank
1: you (laughs) so it is around this time that it is believed marie became a hairdresser to support herself after Jacques had disappeared as a hairdresser marie got in with the elite of new orleans getting access to their homes and their trust and eventually their secrets. Ooh. This is also the time when most people assume she began taking her voodoo studies seriously. She first apprenticed under the father of voodoo, Dr. John Montenay, a.k.a. Bayou John. Under him, she learned the art of grigri. Which is the making and blessing of charms to protect the wearer, or in certain cases, bring negative effects against the wearer.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: Bayou John had studied under Sanite Dede, the first voodoo queen of New Orleans. Marie then studied under the hex breaker, Marie Salope. Sanite Dede. Reigned as the supreme voodoo queen until eighteen thirty, when after studying with both Salopé and Dr. John, Marie is said to have hexed Sanite and driven her insane. Wow. Wow. To
0: take over or, or why yeah. did she do oh okay, okay. So in
1: 1830, less than ten years before she supposedly began her practice. Marie rose to be the most powerful voodoo priestess in New Orleans. The next one that takes over is always has to be the most powerful, normally.
2: Yeah, you know. Yeah. Who <laughs> took over after Laveau? What? Nothing. Stupid question. Who
1: took? Yeah, a stupid who, question. Who took over after Laveau? Yeah. Marie Laveau II, which we'll get to.
2: Oh, oh. yeah. It was not crazy. a stupid question after not all. Not a
1: stupid question. <laughs> was it
0: just Marie Laveau, but in a different wig? Hello, I'm Marie Laveau Second.
1: <laughs> it might have been. It really might have been. We'll get to it. Ooh. Very cool. Not only was she a great priestess, she was also regarded by her community as a healer and charitable person. We'll get more into it in the second episode, but she would frequently visit hospitals and prisons. And in the hospitals, she would nurse those with cholera and yellow fever back to health. So I guess back then there was like Two main big outbreaks of both cholera and yellow fever back to back because everything was gross.
2: Ugh.
1: Yeah, it was literally because everything was gross. Like they would dump like human waste and stuff into the Mississippi River, which was also the source, the drinking source for most people. Oh,
0: god,
1: and the streets were you know, cut like littered in, in trash and rats and cockroaches, so everything was pretty gross,
2: but also cobblestones, which also is nice,
1: the yeah, which. I guess it could be nice because then yeah. the rats hear you coming. so yeah, it's,
0: away. it's nice until you're walking didn't. on it. It's nice until I, you're walking on it for like 20 minutes and then your that's hips true. start hurting.
2: But so, no, I, I get the disease back then. Somebody's like, can I have a oh. piece of cheese? And be like, yeah, it's next to the human foot.
0: <laughs> oh, That is the human foot. This guy outside of Walgreens was like, ma'am, could you... Could you buy me some cigarettes i don't i just I don't have my i d on me and he looked like he was seventy five easily like in his seventies and I was like, "Well, there's no reason why that should be a problem. I'm not going to touch you or do anything to help you, but i'll <laughs> i'll I'll ask the cashier if and then she was like, he has no money, and I was like, "Oh, that's why, okay." <laughs> I don't know yeah. why I felt like adding that story in there, <laughs> but I'm just going to say that, like, I, I literally was like, I am not compassionate. Ew, get away from me. Like, I have no interest in helping you. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, I, you're not goes- honoring Marie Laveau. Yeah. yeah,
2: that goes great with this story. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel Marie- like I'm turning into, like, a very, like, awful person.
1: Turning? Uh, <laughs> person?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Sorry>. <laughs>
0: I'm not supposed to talk about it
1: Marie is credited with saving hundreds of lives especially during the cholera outbreak Ooh. when people were afflicted with cholera the person had extremely painful cramps that if they, go, if they went beyond 10 minutes would basically cause death because there was just so much pain that wow. the, the body would just shut down it was one of the ways you could die of cholera So her charm for this that is said to have worked hundreds and hundreds of times is that she had made Grigri out of brimstone, tar and feathers, which she would light under the patient's nose. And then immediately the cramps would begin to ease and eventually go away, saving the person's life.
0: Oh, oh, interesting.
1: Mm hmm. Marie would continue to daylight as a hairdresser and it became so that even the most wealthy people in and out of town would come to her for her charms and magic. Marie's magic changed voodoo by openly incorporating and pairing Catholic saints and the traditional orishi, the spirits of voodoo, uh, together. So before it was more covert, you know, you were doing one as a means of an end to the other, whereas she, being raised Catholic, melded the two. Now, there were people that did it before her, but she's the one that, like, basically, this form of voodoo is almost considered its own form of voodoo, referred to as Lavo voodoo. Oh,
0: wow. wow. That's Among- pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty crazy. So I think it's really smart. You know, she combined the belief that she had in two systems. Yeah. Which only makes sense.
0: Yeah. It's like peanut butter and chocolate.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) I I guess. Sure. (laughs) (sighs) Lori. I'm just saying that this this homeless guy,
1: I felt bad for him, but I wasn't going to. Oh, my God. (laughs) god (laughs) so among many of the saints and loas in voodoo and catholicism it was said that marie bonded the most with quite a few of them the first one and most important one being le grand zombie aka the grand serpent and then there was saint peter who in voodoo is synonymous with papa legba um saint peter in cat in catholicism for those who don't know is like is the gatekeeper to heaven he's the guy with your name on the list or not so he holds the keys to heaven while papa legba is the keeper of the uh spirit worlds he holds the keys to get in and out
2: you can either go upstairs or you can go downstairs
1: that's exactly what he would say
0: it's pretty good that gave me chills
1: (laughs) (laughs) she was also she also bonded with St. Anthony St. John the Baptist St. Michael Mamiwata, St. Maroon Dambala Wido who was the serpent deity of platinum riches and peace and purity and the Baron Samedi, the spirit of death
2: Baron Samedi yeah very cool
1: I wanted to point out, really really fun for movie nerds, that Dambala Wedo's partner is Ayida Wedo, the rainbow serpent. And it's customary in voodoo to honor both partners of uh, both. Like if a loa has a partner, you have to honor both of them. Mm -hmm. So Dambala and Ayida represent the core symbols of voodoo, the serpent and the rainbow. Ah, Ah, just like the movie, which we have not seen. Yeah, I saw yeah. it a long time ago, but we need to rewatch. I saw it not a either. long time
2: ago too. Yeah, I just remember Bill Pullman yelling, "Don't bury me! I'm not
1: dead!" Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot. Well, we're gonna rewatch it. There's gonna be a lot of things that were like, "That's not right. That's not how that." Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Baron Samedi that is considered a patron saint of New Orleans, which I didn't know that. I thought that was cool. Yeah. He stands at the crossroads of dead humans on their way to Guinea, the underworld plain where dead humans must pass through before reaching the deep waters to be reunited with their ancestors. He is noted for liking disruption, obscenities, and debauchery, and for having a particular fondness for tobacco, Especially pall mall cigarettes, money, and white rum.
0: Did you say pall malls,
1: huh? Money.
0: Money. Oh, okay.
1: Pall malls. Pall malls, yeah. Hmm. I
2: mean, you can't blame a man for loving his brand.
1: Yeah, you really can't. I just, I'd be at a loss because all I would have for him at the Crossroads is the American Spirits, and I don't think he. Yeah. (laughs) And I
2: would question him about the pall malls. I'd be like, really,
1: dude? He'd get really mad.
2: I'd be like, okay, no problem. Do you want anything else, Virginia Slims? Say, Paul Moll. Okay, cool.
1: Sorry. And
0: I, I'd be eating a cheeseburger going, you know that shit's poison, right? You
1: know what you're putting in your body's poison, right? <laughs>
2: Take her to the underground.
1: <laughs> I uh, I imagine you jumping into the deep river waters like the way you jumped <laughs> into, <laughs>
2: into the, the
1: ball pit guys for everybody out there one of the previous episodes where Lori talked about that video she found the video and it is exactly (laughs) as described if not sadder
2: it's sad you said you soared
1: (laughs) i totally (laughs) thought i got air like no
2: dude
0: i am not joking how sad it is because it is like the the my reality my my view versus reality was like i thought that i had like Done like a giant jump up and nosedive down, and I like slanted to the side.
1: <laughs> you basically stepped, up, yeah, you like you stepped off and tilted your body. <laughs> yeah,
0: what was so weird was, and I didn't even know I did this, is I did two jumps, then yes. stopped, then <laughs> yeah, fell over like that. And honestly, if you had asked me how I went, I would have said I took one jump and dove. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird oh my god it was so it's so sad and then you just watch me sl- struggle for like five more minutes
1: as People. Uh... <laughs> it's seriously so long people were just looking
2: yeah trying to get out was the oh. best hour
1: wasn't the person holding the camera like just get out yeah <laughs> that was my cousin just get out just get
0: and i'm like thanks guys thank you <laughs>
2: that shit was hilarious
0: and, my, and what's what at the time, I was like, thank God she didn't get it. But now I wish she would have gotten the full like 20 minutes of me struggling <laughs> and then the guy having to come in and help me and <laughs> <laughs> but she just got like 5 minutes and then stopped recording. Cuz she was like, I don't want to I don't want to do any more damage.
1: <laughs> One newspaper reporter who is said to have witnessed Marie, calling upon the spirit of Baron Samedi, described the Loa after he said he saw it. And he said that he describes him as being clad in the garb of death. He wore a skull and crossbones upon his bosom and carried a scythe in one hand and a small wooden coffin in the other. That's pretty creepy, if it's Mm -hmm. true. Yeah, Although I feel like I feel like a bunch of like Etsy people would be like, "Oh, the coffin's so cute." Yeah. <laughs>
2: Definitely.
0: How much is shipping?
1: <laughs> he, Can you he, put my initials on it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, could you could you write a personal message?
1: <laughs>
0: so he also, uh, side note, he also had the uh, penis like a baby arm. So, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Who? I'm just, I don't know why I felt like I need to have that
2: in there. Are you, if you're talking about the guy asking about cigarettes again, we don't want to hear it.
0: Okay. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> Can you buy
2: me some cigarettes? Take a look
1: at this. <laughs> it's disgusting. You know, if you were talking about the spirit of death, then he's probably going to give you like little baby arms when you had to Swim through the deep rivers.
0: Oh my god, just <laughs> struggling to swim.
1: Oh my god, Lori, with you, you with two baby
2: arms is pretty awesome.
0: The good news is you wouldn't have to shrink my hand size because it's already pretty small. So mm-hmm. you, you would just have to. You might even make grow. Bow. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, finally, I got bigger hands. <laughs>
1: For her Gregory ceremonies, Marie would often invoke Le, Le Grand Zombie. Le Grand Zombie comes from the kingdom of Dahomey in Africa, where an estimated 12 million people were transported as slaves from there to the Americas. In Dahomey, the original Vodun religion involved a lot of serpent worship, which Marie included in her practice. Temple snakes were a big thing for her, and it is well known that she had a pet snake called Zombie. Which just, is just terrifying.
0: That is terrifying. Mm. That's pretty fucking scary. Yeah. A voodoo priestess was like, Zombie, and then just a giant freaking snake comes out. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go. Uh, I've seen that my bait, my hands are now baby arms. So I bet,
1: I bet zombie would like beat the crap out of Nagini from Harry Potter. <laughs> Nagini would not stand a chance.
0: Oh well, I mean, we could go into that whole character and how like she's basically uh like a damsel in distress, but as a fucking snake. The snake? Like, yeah, the snake is like. They're trying to, they make her, they're like, oh, it's a badass. But every single time she morphs back into human form, she's always like, save me. It's Like, okay, great. I'm glad that the snake is a freaking.
1: I don't remember Nagini transforming back into a human.
0: Oh, you have you not seen the. uh,
1: uh The Fantastic Beasts yeah. thing? No, I saw the first one. I don't remember her in it.
0: She's not in it. She's in the second one. I, th- well, I mean, oh. she is in the first, she might be in, in the first one towards the later one, but she's in the second one.
1: And cool.
0: so her storyline is that she is a woman who can turn into a snake, but I forgot what kind of magical power it is, but eventually what'll happen is they say that eventually when she turns into a snake, she won't be able to turn back into a human. So eventually at some point, she doesn't know when, she'll just never be able to turn back into a human.
1: So, uh, about a year after his after Jacques' disappearance, Marie entered into what is known as a placage relationship with a wealthy man of color named Louis Christophe Dominique Dumini de Glapion, a war captain in the Battle of New Orleans, who served under Andrew Jackson in the Ninth Native Regiment. A placage relationship. Is a bunch of bullshit. It was a recognized legal system that began with French and Spanish colonialism. The gist of it was that since interracial marriage was illegal by their own laws, rich white men and rich men of color could enter into a relationship with their slaves if they felt like it. And when slavery was abolished, the practice continued with free women of color, with certain types of contracts still included. The men had to prove that they could financially take care of the woman and any offspring that resulted from the relationship. So it was exclusively reserved for rich men. Mm, Bullshit.
0: That's weird. So wait, when you first meet a woman, do you have to be like, well, here are my bank statements, and this is how much money I bring in?
1: there was contracts that you they like just like when they were trading slaves they would sign contracts if you say if you entered into a relationship with a woman of color then you and you like and then they became serious basically
0: oh so the woman didn't have a choice it wasn't like she was like oh no thank you i would prefer not to
1: no, she had a choice. Oh, okay. at least not at first. Not when it was exclusively used with only slave like with um, slaves. Yeah, only slaves, but it was a free woman of color. She had a choice. But basically, when you would you would enter in a relationship and it would be like the equivalent almost of a common law marriage now where there would be a contract, but it wouldn't be a marriage license. It wouldn't be any kind of official marriage certificate. It was uh... basically a document saying you are in a relationship with this person. And until you get married for real, then you will financially take care of, you have committed to financially taking, helping this person and taking care of any children that you have with them. But, um, yeah, it's very stupid. So normally it would be used by young white men who had to acquire their own wealth before they found a woman that they deemed respectable enough to marry.
2: It's a rule that enables lust. And, I mean, not rape, but...
1: It's a rape. Yeah, rape at first. And then later on, you know, who knows what kind of manipulation... This is... Even though Marie entered into this relationship willingly, we don't know the kind of manipulations and blackmail and, and everything that would... You know, result in these in yeah. these relationships and contracts. Yeah, and, and also the, well, even,
2: and also even doing so, it's like at the time you, it, it's it's fucked because it's like a game, a necessary evil that you kind of have to play. Yeah, for survival, which is just ugh, yeah, goddamn. yeah.
0: If you're especially if you're a woman of color, I imagine a rich man saying, "Oh, I want to have sex with you." and i i i can I have means to take care of you, although I'm not gonna marry you, but I mean right. to take care of you, yeah. I mean that's you know uh, again, I'm gonna go back to my my continuous ongoing uh bloody podcast statement that I don't feel like sex was consensual until about nineteen ninety six
1: so it was customary for a man in this type of relationship to live apart from his place. If the man died, the woman and children were technically entitled to a third of the man's property. But good luck getting that. Most women never got it. Mm. Yeah, women, yeah. Women in these kinds of relationships were normally not recognized by the societies the man belonged to, but were recognized by Creole high societies. Mm. After getting married, the man would normally emancipate her and any children born. Or he could choose to stay with her and maintain both relationships. Although it was clear that only, it was made clear by all documentation that only one of them was, quote, a real marriage. Great. Yeah. I feel
2: like this practice is still continued today.
1: In some ways, yeah. I mean, look at all the uh, like all the young girls that are out there being like sugar babies mm-hmm. to rich old white men. It's like the same shit. It's just veiled in something else, but it's the same contract.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's always looked at like women empowerment. I'm doing this for me. Okay,
1: good. Okay, <laughs> yeah. It is said that Christophe loved Marie so much that he broke the custom of living apart from his plessis and moved in with marie he also passed since he was a man, uh, man of color he passed as a man of color more so like he like I, I don't know what he did but it was it's now it's now being said that he you know he he passed more as black than he did white to live with her and so that people basically wouldn't scrutinize him for doing it because it was so taboo and looked f- and frowned upon back then hmm. C- w- one of the ways Christoph makes m- made money was he was a slave trader
0: oh <clears throat> boy jeez
2: Jesus.
0: this oh. relationship has layers
1: well yeah it has layers it's a complicated time and uh, well, like this is why so it is known that Marie and Christoph owned slaves at least eight of them it was like at, at in not at any given time but throughout their their lifetime. it was not out of place though for wealthy people of color to own slaves back then, largely due to what was known as the Louisiana Black Code or code noir, which, as said by the author Alvarado, the codes were designed to limit the freedom of African Americans in the colony to prevent desertion and to ensure the availability of a cheap labor force following the the abolishment of slavery during the Civil War. Slave owners were mandated to baptize their slaves in the Catholic faith and to give them Sundays off for worship. Slaves were allowed to marry, separation of families was not permitted, and slave owners were not allowed to severely beat or murder the enslaved. In New Orleans, it was also stipulated that the status of people with darker skin was always lower than those with lighter complexions. There were supposed to be clauses in this Louisiana Black Code to protect slaves, but they were obviously never enforced. (laughs) So, because of that, many people of color worked within the system to help free others. Some bought their own family to be able to later free them, Others bought slaves to work elsewhere and collected a percentage of their wages. Still others participated in the slave trade in order to covertly help people through the Underground Railroad. People believe that Marie did just that. Many people said that she was known to give charms to any slaves she met that were traveling to seek their freedom. And one man who entered her home gave an account of an altar in in her front room that had a statue of St. Peter and St. Maron. St. Peter is the holder of keys to the kingdom of of heaven, and St. Maron was the patron saint of runaway slaves. Hmm. It should be noted, too, that after her husband's death, there are no accounts of her participating in slave trade any further. Hmm.
0: Well, that's good. Uh, I mean... You Know it'd be weird if she's like, I only do slave trade on the side, it's like a hobby now, so <laughs> yeah, kind of got, yeah. <laughs> got into it because my husband, she had to retire. Yeah, I kind of got into it because my husband was into it, and now it's just like, it's something I do.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> So records show that Marie bore seven children with Christophe, but rumors maintain that it was at least 15 children. I don't think it's true. Like back then, everybody said that everybody had like 11 to 15 children, you know? Like who, did everybody do this? Because it doesn't even, with the amount of time people lived, it doesn't even seem possible. People died in their 20s. Like
2: yeah, but I mean, you take a look at how many people we have now.
0: <laughs> yes, that's yeah. how that's how I was doing it. You go back, go back. Like, there's a shit ton and of divide. people. Divide. So obviously, I mean, a, a,
2: a lot died, but then you know, a lot lived.
0: <laughs> Again, there was no entertainment. There was like barely anything going on. So all you had was like you you were desperately trying to cling to your culture that's being beat try, fiercely beaten out of you, and sex. That was it. That's all you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then on occasion, you know, you'd go to like a hanging or
2: something.
1: Yeah, that was the entertainment. That was that was the best. Oh, man. <laughs> they also had back then. They had something called quadroon balls, which I forgot to mention when I was talking about the placage. Which were balls, like ballroom balls that they held as basically to have like rich white men come in and pick out whatever girl they wanted. And the women were supposed to like dress up and look nice and you know basically be act as if debutantes for these other men. It was ridiculous. But
2: all women of color.
1: All women of color, yeah. yeah.
2: Quadroon, because I remember that
1: term, awkward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Ugh.
0: Who was so, yeah. who was like that was the one... staff? At, this, at these things, if I was this, if I was in the staff, I'd be like, "This is
1: awkward." Would well, probably it would be people of color. It would mm-hmm. it would be people of color as the staff. It would just be darker skinned people of color, probably.
2: Yeah, it's the rungs.
1: Uh, like guys. me and Cash would probably be outside. Yeah, we wouldn't be allowed inside. We're too dark skinned. Yeah. (laughs) so
2: and i'm filipino which is crazy
1: it's crazy yeah Yeah. and they like little guys back then they look good in the suits
2: i would have cleaned up (laughs) (laughs) literally uh okay
1: that was one form of entertainment they had at least for the white men
0: yeah oh my god uh i mean should i just blanket statement apology i'm so sorry (laughs)
1: For
0: <laughs> that my people have done. It's this is awful. I hate it.
1: Yeah, Jesus. I mean the reason that we had to do a two parter is really because there's so much context around like the way that she lived her life. And as we can, you know, as we're starting to see, there's so much misinformation about her because only white people wrote about it for the longest time. Yeah. You know? And so whatever was true about her was normally like held in secrecy by the people around her. Because there's well, no reason to trust the white man. So
2: When we go to New Orleans, baby, we're going to do some fun stuff and find out a lot about her.
1: Yeah. Only two of her girls lived into adulthood. One was Marie Eloise Eucharist, and the other one was Marie Philomene. Marie Philomine would later become known as Marie Laveau II oh. and the priestess said to be more powerful than her mother. It is also said that she looked so much like her mother that people often believed it was Marie resurrected or when Marie was alive that she was able to be in two places at once. Rumors that neither of the Laveaus ever dispelled. It's great.
0: I mean I I I love that but it's also sort of like a turn of the century. It's also like nowadays when a mom has an older daughter and she doesn't want the daughter to call her a mom because she doesn't want people to know she's old. So she'll be like, call me your sister.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but if you think about it though, it's it probably, I think, I think it was Marie Laveau. I think it's true. I think that she got a second life because of how powerful she was and, you know, the sacrifices that she made. So I don't think she, that her daughter, either like she, in, in, like she possessed the body of one of her daughters or it was her. It just, you know, she got two lives, at least two lives through magic. Hmm. I mean, like, I think that, that any viewer of, Amer- of American Horror Story Coven would agree with me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: wait, wait, let's wait for them all to say yes, we agree with
2: you.
1: Well in the, in American horror story Coven, I just watched it all. Rewatched it all. She loved it. I love it. I love it every time. In that one, you saw it right, Lori? No.
0: I don't watch it, oh, anything with uh what's his face? Ryan Murphy? Yeah. I am I don't I'm not a fan of his
1: uh, I understand, but I also love everything he does.
0: My and girlfriend, he- <laughs> my girlfriend, loves that show. Loves it.
2: It's so well, good. Lori, why don't, why don't you like him?
0: Because he—it's just he—he he does too much. It's too much stuff. I feel like he kind of writes a big check and then doesn't really deliver. And I've been, i have been—I was—I've been burned before with Glee. So Glee was I, a
1: bad example. Glee and Nip Tuck are not good examples. I Nip-tuck. think that he, he did Glee. He, yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: So I I watched Nip Tuck. I watched Glee, and uh, it was just they were just awful, awful shows.
1: Well, he so. found he found his thing, and his thing is shorter stories. Mm. I think that's why the anthology of American Horror Story works. Some people hate it because it is a lot. Like he incorporates literally everything he can. And as a writer, it's frustrating because you're like, you're using everything, fucking stop.
2: <laughs>
1: you know, but at the same time, sometimes it's fucking great. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, a lot of people became re-interested in Marie Laveau because of American Horror Story Coven, which I think is the third season. Well, and- look, I
0: mean, I'm, I'm an outlier. I mean, so obviously people love it, but I just am not somebody who is uh, a fan. But I will say that I know I know for a fact, and I'm putting my life on this, when Star and I move in together, I will be watching every single episode of American Horror Story because she has told me many times that that's what's going to happen when we live together. So I'm just waiting until that moment.
1: Okay. So. Well, in the meantime, I'm going to tell you. Okay. In <laughs> <laughs> In the storyline of AHS Coven, there's Marie Laveau still working as a hairdresser, played by uh Angela Bassett, by the way, who loves who looks amazing. She <laughs> she still is a hairdresser and in the legend only specific to American horror story, it's not found in any other like lore of Marie Laveau's. But it it like it's pretty it's pretty good. It makes perfect sense. He says that Marie Laveau had to give up her children in order to basically keep Papa Legba in her good graces because she had sold her soul to Papa Legba for her mortality. And his condition was that he was going to come back every year and take an innocent soul, which was normally her kid.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. So for her to remain mortals, he would come back and kill one of her children.
1: It didn't have to be one of her children. He just in the in then again, this is just for Coven. In Coven, he just needs uh an innocent soul. But the first time it was definitely her kid.
2: But after a while it could be any any kid, any baby. Yeah. Any pure soul.
1: Because without it being like any kid, then like Ryan Murphy can't move the plot along. and laura you've
2: got an innocent soul so if you were there like you know eating a chocolate bar with chocolate all over your face they would have grabbed you and brought you oh
0: i'm literally like the most uh (laughs) naive sad i'm so like honestly every single time somebody uh i I can't even finish the thought i'm so i'm (laughs) such a sad human being i you're so innocent I, i call i was i you know what i did all day today. I called and texted and reached out to all of my professors to find a document that I couldn't find that I had to turn in today. That was on my emails that was in the, was flagged as important that all I had to do was log into my emails and then I would have seen it.
1: I don't know if that makes you an innocent soul. Yeah.
0: Well, it makes me (laughs) doughy. That's what definitely makes me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Well, anyway, back to Marie Lavelle. Uh, Carolyn Long, who wrote one of the books that I was studying, she doesn't think that Marie Laveau II ever existed because there's not much record of her beyond her birth, which I think uh, is exactly what Marie Laveau would want. Mm-hmm.
0: But isn't there not much record? I mean, her her hu- her first husband didn't he like like walk off into the sea and never return? Yeah,
1: so. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah mean- there's not much record. Period but that's what that author chooses to believe you know
0: i always say go for what's fun so that sounds fun to me that that she <laughs> is a reincarnation of of uh, her mother of or that or that's yeah. just essentially she's been reborn yeah wouldn't that be funny if you had to raise you wouldn't that be kind of funny if you're like i'm re- re- rebirthing myself but i have to still raise you and make bring you into adulthood
1: that's crazy what a crazy concept yeah you know you, w- you wouldn't be you though you would you would look like you
0: yeah but isn't but that would... kind of how Marie Laveau the second is or I don't know I'm saying I not mean, about know. any information
1: you'd have to ask her because what if she just what if it was just like the little girl died when she was young but then Marie Laveau just pretended she never actually died oh
0: Oh, that's what you're saying. I thought you were saying that she like actually physically was reborn. Rebirthed herself. But you're some just people, saying that. Okay.
1: Some people believe that. I mean it's just like you know it varies from person to person.
0: I mean that makes more sense. Although it would be funny if she had to like uh, you know that episode of 30 Rock where she pretends to be like Kenneth Toilet Hole and she <laughs> has to wear a mustache and she Liz, uh, uh, Tina Fey, keeps having to run into the bathroom to change and do stuff to be a different person. (laughs) Oh
1: my God. (laughs) If she
0: had to do, if Marie Laveau had to do that to be Marie Laveau II, it'd be like, where's Marie Laveau? Oh, hold on one second. I got to go to the bathroom.
1: Hold on. (laughs) Hello. I'm Marie Laveau. Okay. I'm sure it wasn't that situation. All right. So it's not even possible to compare the two now. (laughs) There are no portraits. Or photos of Marie Laveau. What there there are none. She, Nothing at all. Wow. No, there is only one artist rendition, which is the one that you'll see everywhere, by Frank Schneider. But this is merely an assumption of what she looked like. She never got herself a portrait or anything like that.
0: That's crazy.
1: The most common account of what she looked like was that she was a tall woman with long hair and light skin. And although she is always depicted as wearing a head wrap, she never wore one. And she always wore her very long hair down. So yeah, we have no idea what she looks like. Except for just like oral history.
0: That's just a very man splain way of, of saying that she should put her hair up. It's like, I know, I know what she'll like. I'll just draw her with, in a head wrap. That yeah, way, it's like she'll be comfortable.
1: Yeah. Pretty much that and like and like well she was a, a, you know, she was a, into voodoo so she must wear a head wrap. Mm. Kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cuz they always do that. So yeah, so that's where we're going to stop for part 1 of Marie Laveau. Next time we'll get into some examples of Marie's influential power in action, both in society and within her magic circles. We'll get into her later years. We'll talk a little bit more about her daughter, and we'll talk about how to make a shrine for Marie Laveau. If you cool. are blind, so yeah. Oh,
0: we should do it. We should make a shrine.
2: Well, not you. You say you don't like her.
1: <laughs> I
0: was being facetious.
1: Also, okay. I don't, she doesn't. She doesn't like people who are cheeky. Facetious. I'm pretty
0: sure I dislocated my hip. I was bending down to pick up a piece of gum, and so.
2: all. I like to take a minute and just really congratulate the both of you. I know that we brushed over it in the beginning, but you both are very focused, and you both have really, really done a great job with this podcast. And it's an honor to be here as you guys really pass the crescendo into a hundred episodes. I'm proud of you both, and I love you both.
0: I love you. Thank you so much. Uh, We are so honored to have you. You're so amazing. But yeah, honestly, and I know Maria's is going to edit this out of the podcast, but honestly, the credit has to go to Maria. She is the driving force of this podcast. We would not be where we are today if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much. I look ah, forward to you. this beat editing out of the podcast and just having it say, and now we're done.
1: <laughs> well, no, I won't edit it out. Thank you so much. I love you both, and thank you to everybody who is out there listening. We appreciate you so much. We're, you're obviously the reason we keep going. Spread the word. I love you so much. But yes. if we get to two hundred episodes and we're at the same level, I'm stopping the podcast. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we have
0: two hundred. All right. So I have two hundred to make it. Uh, yeah. Let your friends know. Let your enemies know. Hey, if you don't like your, if you don't like somebody, be like, hey. This is what I'd like to do, do to you. And then send them an episode of a podcast where somebody yeah. kills somebody. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You and go. for
1: people who don't like true crime, point them to episodes like this one, uh, you know, where it doesn't necessarily involve murder and blood and guts and gore. Like some of them are just fun. Yeah. And the con people are great. So. Love yeah. the con.
2: Yes. Love the cons.
1: If you're not on the Patreon, check out the Patreon. We have some great stuff on there. There are like mini episodes uh, every every week, and then there's the full bonus episode. And right now for Shinema, we're talking about Alan versus Pharaoh. Yes, which is crazy it's and
2: It's cra- <laughs> super super gross.
1: <laughs> it's so gross.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, I thought it would be fun. We're g- let's uh, never mind.
1: I'm not gonna say it. We'll we'll, we'll save it for that one. Okay. Okay, everybody. Uh, Thank you for listening and have a good night. Woo! Woo!